Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right, friends. So glad to have you here today. So excited and pumped to talk about production management today. And so I'm bringing my friend on, Dan Almond. Dan works for Orange Thread Media, particularly Orange Thread Live, their live events side of things. And he produces shows. And so what does that mean? What's a production manager do? And more importantly, uh, what we get into, and I'm excited about this, I, I'm doing this uh, intro after the recording. I'm really excited to talk to him about, okay, how do people who are just beginning with the lighting, whether you're church band, DJ theater, um, no matter what niche or what part of the, the world you're in, how do you go ahead? How do you apply what you've learned uh, from this show to what you're doing there because I think there's a lot you can learn from the professional world to make events happen more smoothly, to make them less stressful for you, and to make them more fun. And that's what we're all about. So, guys, show notes for this episode will be at uh, learnstagelighting.com slash 096. And um, before we get going, actually, today's sponsor is Amazon. You say Amazon, yes. Learnstagelighting.com slash Amazon is where you can go. And if you do that, that's just something in this time where I know finances are tight for a lot of people. You might be buying things from Amazon, right? Everybody's probably buying things from Amazon. I know I am. And if you go through my link at learnstagelighting.com slash Amazon, that's learnstagelighting.com slash Amazon. It'll be in the show notes. Uh, you can go ahead and you, for for free, can you know not spend any more money than you would have already, but support Learn Stage Lightning because a commission, a, a small percentage of what you spend there will be given to me. If you don't go through my link, that's fine, but then Amazon gets all your money, which is also fine. Um, but if you go through my link, it doesn't cost you anymore, and you get to help learn stage lighting. And so uh, I'd be really thankful if you could help the podcast, especially in this time where things are tough. You might not have extra money to be a Learn Stage Lighting Labs member, or you might not have extra money around to support us on Patreon. Going to learnstagelighting.com slash Amazon is a great way to help things out without it costing you anything, literally. So bookmark that, uh, learnstagelighting.com slash Amazon, bookmark that link, and you'll be able to help us anytime you shop. All right. So guys, let's get into the interview. I start here with Dan, and we're going to talk about how to manage your production so you have great success. And so, yeah, we're talking about the industry, but we'll talk about production management, but I think it's just kind of an interesting time in the business here. Um, because so pretty much you work for Orange Thread Live and the Salt Conference and whatever else Orange Thread thinks of doing events. Yep. And so we've watched here in the past week or two, all the events go away. Um, I'm just curious, actually, if you can say like, like we see, um, well, actually, you don't have to say about your personal events. Um, news of today that you saw, I know, and I saw is that the Infocom trade show in June just canceled. Yeah. Um, and so that was like, that's interesting. I mean... I think it makes sense because they have such an international audience and it's such a massive trade show, but it's a little scary <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because yeah, we, you know, yesterday the president kind of closed down the country here in the U.S. until the end of April. Um, this will probably come out early to mid-April. And to that we said, okay, okay, we get that. You know, <laughs> nobody, I don't think anybody was too surprised by that call, uh, no. but uh, June seems like a far way out. Yeah, the the thing that I, we see with a lot of the event planners we work with um, is that like they could let the events go for a while, but they're up against hotel contracts and and uh, other things that if they don't cancel early or try to start moving dates, then they start to rack up pretty serious penalties. 
Yeah, so. and I, I think that's where we're looking at it. I think that's where Infocom learned a lesson. It's kind of like how we in the U.S. are trying to learn a lesson from uh, everywhere that this virus has hit before us is about canceling things well. Because, I mean, mm-hmm. they saw, Infocom saw the ProLight and Sound Trade show in Europe where they were like, oh, we'll postpone it till May. It'll be great. And then, like, like 10 of the biggest companies were like, nope. And, and all of a sudden, there was no show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's kind of interesting. We're seeing even uh, kind of dovetailing into that. A lot of these events that probably could be a, a web stream, um, people are holding off doing that in, in favor of deferring the events and trying to do them in person later because uh, they're trying to avoid trying to get out of hotel blocks and, and that sort of thing. So it it's uh, just been interesting watching it all unfold. Yeah, isn't that such a mess? Like thinking of the event industry, I read there's a trade show you might be familiar with, the um, Trans World. It's a Halloween and Christmas trade show in Louisville. Um, and it happens in late March. And um, so it didn't happen this year, obviously. And they were, um, oh, is the sound coming out of this monitor? I'm sorry. Now I'll fix my own problems. Um, no, but, uh, and they canceled, but they were able to cancel hotel blocks because at that point, Louisville, or no, St. Louis, St. Louis, the other Louis, um, St. Louis was had declared a state of emergency. And so they were able to release the hotel rooms because of that, which I thought was interesting. Don't know if that'll apply to other events, but I thought it was interesting that that's kind of how the mechanics worked out in their situation. Yeah. So anyways, we're here to talk about today, besides everything else we ramble upon, uh, production management. And so Dan, for those who don't know, and I'll probably sprinkle some of this in before, is a good friend of mine, and he is a production manager. So what's that means? He sits around and watches things happen. Actually, what he does is he, um, he makes sure the details go right, which means that if things are going well, he may be sitting around watching people. But if things are not, he's running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Uh, is that a good description? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's pretty much it. Um, Production management, yeah, if you're in this world, is an interesting... It's an interesting thing. Because there's a lot of different styles of management. I mean, I guess it's like any other kind of management. There's people who are very hands-off people who are very hands-on and everywhere in between. Mm -hmm. Um, But today, and I think Dan, Dan's a good friend and he's been doing this a while and uh, I've had the privilege to do a number of shows with him and he's really good at it. Um, I'm not afraid to say that. If you're doing corporate events, go check out Orange Thread Live. Um, We'll link to it in the show notes. But um, what, you. you know, so when you're planning an event, I don't even know where to start, but I just, I wanted to, you know, kind of kick this little phrase off. Um, how to make your next event or show run smoothly, even if you're not a professional, I think is a good place to start with that kind of goal in mind. Because you think, okay, well, production management, especially if you're new with lighting or maybe you're a church or a band or whatever, production management is for those fancy people with fancy big money, you know, and fancy shows and professionals. Um, but I don't need that on a hobbyist level. I don't even need to think about that. Um, but kind of my... My um, response to that, as a way to say it, is that, well, look at yourself for a second and think about how smoothly your events go. Could they go smoother and what could you do to make them smoother? And so um, that's kind of where I want to open it up for you is, um, you know, how can people make events run smoother? Like, what do you see on the day to day, the mistakes that that people make a lot um, that make you just go, oh, that was so simple. You know, we could you could fix that. No problem. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the first thing I'll say is just to kind of push back against that uh, production management is only for the the larger events and people are scored away. I, I would argue that uh, actually a production management is a, an essential part of any event. And it's just on some of the smaller shows, you may be wearing multiple hats where not only are you the lighting designer or the event promoter, but you're also, you are the production manager. Uh, so that's something you're going to have to tackle one way or the other. Right. It's either, it's either managed or it's mismanaged, but somebody's doing it. <laughs> right. Right. Um, yeah. And so you may be taking on a lot of what I would see as a production management role without even realizing it. Um, but yeah, so as we get into events, um, I think we, we've already touched on a little bit. It's, it's the small details that are so important in, in live event production. Uh, it's, astonishly, it, it's astonishing how quickly the smallest little details can have an enormous impact on your event. And so, you know, anyone who's been around events for a while has heard the stories. You've had projectors that show up without the lenses or, um, uh, you know, a stage being set up directly under overhead power lines and they can't put the roof up. So you have to reconfigure things and uh, all kinds of things like that. So, the, the good news is that with uh, a little time on the front end and just paying attention to some of these details, you can avoid all these pitfalls that really get in the way of having a, a great event. And this is, that's actually a really good point. Um, and we're not going to, we're not going to name any names here. We're not going to pigeonhole any companies, but the interesting thing about that is, and I've, I've freelanced with a lot of companies. And so this isn't going to be aimed at anybody in particular, because even with the same company, it could be the same way, but you notice you notice it's about paying attention to the details can make things go smoothly or not because i see that both on the small end of like super small events super basic events and also on very large events um sometimes the simplest things get overlooked just because people don't really take the the care to do so you know absolutely yeah i think a, a lot of people are extremely good at, at taking care of all the big ticket items um, but it's it's the tiny little details that can sometimes be overlooked or missed that really trip people up. Okay, like what kind of what kind of little details are you thinking of? Um, there are quite a few we can get into, but uh, let me first, before we dive into that, just say that uh, one of the, the most important parts of production management in, that I've found is actually the pre-production work, the the work you do in advance of the actual show. Um, that's where you can really sort out all these details and, and really get into things. Um, so the, the first area that trips people up, uh, the, the area that I think people miss more than anything else is little details surrounding the venue. Um, so the first thing I'm going to recommend is that you find a way to find out as much as you can about the venue you're going to do your show in before you get there as you can. Um, my favorite way to do this is a, a site visit. If it's at all possible, if it's a local venue or something you can travel to ahead of time. Uh, or just, even yeah, if it's your church, yeah. you know, yeah. but you don't know all the details. Exactly. Get yourself uh, find down a time there. To, yeah. Yep. Find a time to get down there and really look around and, and straighten things out. If you can't uh, visit the place on your own, um, you can usually solve this with a, a phone call to someone who works at the venue or has really good knowledge of it. Um, or uh, another thing that I've been able to do successfully when I was touring was create a simple questionnaire that I could email to someone that would give me a lot of the information that I needed to know ahead of time. Um, but yeah, you're just trying to figure out where all the little things that are unique to that space that might trip you up are. So uh, for me, that a lot of times that's things like loading docks or uh, access to the venue. How are we going to get in? How does equipment get in? Um, do we have all the tools, forklifts, levelers, whatever, that we need to, to pull something off? Um, it could be things like 
uh, backstage area? How much room do we have? Do we have a space to store dead cases? Um, there's all those little things that could trip you up. Wh- what power is available, how that's accessed. Um, and just simple things like dimensions are another huge one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll Make never the forget. Show fit. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll never forget a show I did uh, a couple years ago. I was on the audio crew. Um, so I kind of got to watch this unfold, but yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I am uh, no part of this decision making. <laughs> no, but it was, it was a youth conference held in a really old school uh, convention space. And one of the unique things about this convention space um, was that it, the entire area of the audience was a, a drop ceiling and it was pretty low. And the uh, a large part of the lighting design were these trust towers scattered throughout the audience area. Oh, no. Which would have been fine, except they were 10 foot towers and the drop ceiling was nine feet. Yes. Yeah. And you must account for the trust base as well. That's an important detail. Yes. Because it's like a yes. good two, three inches and it will bite you. Oh, it, it absolutely will. Or just being able to, can you tip them up? Yes, because that, that takes taller. That takes taller than 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Some math but and physics. In there. this case, yeah. In this case, they got lucky, and the venue was really hands off and older. They let them pop some ceiling tiles out in strategic places, and they got it done. But uh, that was almost a really bad day. Yeah, and if that had been a corporate event, you know, which you do a lot of now, and mm-hmm. I've done a lot of, that wouldn't have been okay. Uh, you would have been Absolutely. going to find some eight foot truss somewhere, and it would have stunk. <laughs> yep. So. Uh, and that's a 10-foot ceiling. To, you could so, use the tape yeah. measure to check that. You don't even need yeah, a laser absolutely. measure, which are like, I don't know. I think Harbor Freight has a laser measure now. I mean, goodness. You know, if you're going to do shows. Yeah, they've gotten me pretty inexpensive. Yeah, if you're going to do shows, get yourself a laser, a laser measuring tape. Yep. Because so, you, don't, you don't need the fanciest one, right? You know. Yeah, oh, no. Like no, Harbor you, you Freight has don't. a $40 one that says it does 100 feet. That's awesome, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you don't need something that's super precise either. You just need to be in in, in the right ballpark. Um, but yeah, so things like that are just, they're so easy to head off ahead of time. And it's way easier to fix that when the plot's still on paper and you haven't put in your orders for any cross rentals, you know, things you're running from someone else, um, picked up any equipment, put it on a truck, fix it in pixels first. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's that's huge. Uh, power is the other one that I see people get tripped up on all the time, um, either not uh, planning for adequate power for what they're trying to do, or uh, I've seen a lot of people uh, they'll cross rent, you know, rent a fixture from somebody else, for example, and and it's a two weight fixture and they don't have a way to power it. Um, so it's something else to pay pay attention to, um, and kind of along those lines. Uh, just really paying attention to the design of your system is uh, a huge one. Um, people get tripped up all the time with cabling and interconnect. Just make sure you have the necessary cables for your gear. Make sure you have the required adapters, specialty cables, that sort of thing. Um, especially for equipment that you're less familiar with or you're running from someone else. Most people have a pretty good handle on the, the gear that they own, but it, it's when you start bringing extra stuff into the mix or you're patching into a house system or uh, whatever that uh, people can get really easily uh, caught. Yeah. And the thing is that that's actually, that brings up a point that's very unique to show business or even show hobby or whatever, show whatever you're doing um, is that this is an event that's got to happen. It's got to get pulled off at a particular time. 
And so mm-hmm. if you don't have the stuff to do what you need in time, then it doesn't get done. Uh, you know, there's Absolutely. a very, there's a very real like that, like you're saying that that small video adapter, especially because audio adapters, a lot of those you could build. Um, same with lighting adapters, you could build those pretty quickly. But you know, those little adapters and things that you're missing it, and all of a sudden now you can't put, you know, video on the projector screen because you're missing a, a five dollar cable, and you literally can't find one before the event starts because you started setting up the same day. Yep. Yeah, that's a real bad feeling when everyone's looking at you and you can't put the the image on the screen. Yeah, and that actually that that, that brings up another point too. Just with like drawing out system diagrams, um, mm-hmm. that sounds nerdy. It does to people, but I got to tell you, I did it for the first time the other week for my church um, for, for twofold reasons. One, we're building a sound booth right now, um, which I was planning to do in like a month or two, and then this whole uh, COVID nineteen thing happened, and I said, "Hey guys." We don't have to rush this into week week you know week long chunks and clean up for Sunday like you know we could just build this thing, um, and they're like oh yeah 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 great idea and uh, and so I was diagramming out our systems and I was surprised by a couple things actually the first was how easy it was to use I used a, what's that thing online it's in Google Docs oh man what is it called there's a free like diagramming thing online that you can you can do. Uh oh! Now I'm losing it. Yeah, I mean, you can use just about anything you can you can draw in. I mean, I've seen people do it. Everything from something like a solution like AutoCAD down to um, a real quick napkin sketch. But yeah, this one draw.io. That's what it is, and it uh-huh. was so fast. It was like okay, you could just quickly draw out the systems and then figure out okay which systems. Um, did I know how they went together, and did I know how everything got to where it needed to go signal wise? And then there were parts of the systems where I was like, you know, I don't know how that's that's put together. And I had to go find out. But it was actually really easy just to make a quick little diagram with some boxes that labeled all the different parts and pieces. And yep. just make sure I was covered, you know, make sure all the cables were long enough for everything. They weren't. Um, and so knowing that, knowing what I had to fix, what I had to make, et cetera, et cetera. Actually, I'm in the midst of it um, right now. It's like half done. But, you know, um, having that knowledge in hand allowed me to um, be able to move quickly on the ground. And that's actually one thing I've noticed is even for the smallest show, you make little signal flow diagrams for a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's huge. We, we'll do a signal flow for almost every aspect of, of every event that we do. Because um, guess what? Even the small ones. Because guess what? You've got the secret that you can pretty much, I mean, if you do it full-time, which I know a lot of people listening don't, but even if you do it part-time, you're going to find that a lot of events that you do, you can copy a previous event, copy-paste, and make changes and be done like quick. Absolutely. So yeah, once you get some templates set up and and once you've done it a few times, it doesn't take much much time to do, but it's absolutely huge. You're right. We use them uh, for... Um, they become the basis once the system's designed. I use that as the basis to get all of our cable counts and everything squared away. Uh, it really becomes the start of the entire event after that. Yeah, because um, you know what drives me crazy more than anything else when I'm setting up a show? When I've done, you know, when I've printed out the DMX addresses and, and where different things go, where my universes go, or where signal flows, and then we're setting up and someone asks me a question. Someone who has the paperwork asks me a question about something that's on one of them. That drives me nuts. But it's true because it it makes things so much simpler because you don't have to constantly like ask someone or have someone be the center of it. Um, 
Because what if your lighting guy doesn't show up? You know, mm-hmm. now you've got a plan that you can actually follow. Yeah, no, we find that, that it, when these are drawn out correctly, I can hand them to pretty much any tech with even basic knowledge what they're doing and they can pretty well uh, get things going. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it becomes an invaluable tool on site, but just as much, it's a great tool ahead of time. The other thing that we find Sigma Flow diagrams are really helpful for, there are a lot of times I'm quoting and designing an event, uh, the event I'm working on right now might not actually take place until September. And you know how many things happen in life between now and, and September? Um, so oh, how much has happened there, in the past three weeks? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we get to, you know, a couple of days out from the show, we're pulling all the equipment and getting ready to do it. I don't have to sit there and try to remember, how was I planning on doing this? I just pull up the file and there it all is. Boom. Exactly. You know? And actually, that's a great tip for the hobbyist or someone who's just doing this part-time because... It's like you think of something and you write it down and then the show's months later, but you've got your job and you've got this and that. And just having everything written down, you know, in a digital or paper format, just, oh my goodness, it makes life so much easier. Yep, absolutely. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of the big things. The other piece of documentation that we generate for almost every show is some kind of plan um, or just diagram of, of physical placement for things. Um and again, depending on the show, this can range from anything from just a really quick, like napkin style sketch, uh, just laying out like we have lighting trees going here and controls going here, whatever, um, all the way up to a, a full scale, you know, lighting plot um, that has all the fixtures and patch information and everything on it. Um, but that's just a huge resource that, again, can help you uh, square away issues on the, on the front end. Uh, we find... Um, especially on these like corporate events, we're trying to do a lot of ground stack things to avoid rigging charges and, and that sort of thing. Like it helps us um, stay away from catering tables and there's all those little things that you don't realize how much people are planning or how people are planning on utilizing a space. So you actually get into it. Um, and uh, it, it can be a pretty rough day on site when you find out that uh, where you're planning on putting a control station, they need seating or they have catering or they have a booth they're trying to sell something in. <laughs> yeah. And that goes both ways, right? Cause sometimes the clients don't tell you about things or things change mm-hmm. or, Oh yeah, we drew these tables as whatever, but really they're this feet, many feet wide, you know, they're nine foot tables. We thought they were eights. We really did. But and that doesn't sound like a big deal until there's 300 of them. And then <laughs> it's a big deal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Man. Yeah. So it's just, it's a communication thing. And, and again, we just, we try to um, share with others what, with other departments and other people, what we're doing and try to get information on, on there so that when we all show up on site, we can play nicely together. Yeah. All right. So we're set up. So we got our show set up. Okay, great. So we set our stuff up. Um, uh, important thing also, which Dan's good about is food. You got to think about food. Um, mm-hmm. If the show, if you're going to be setting up for more than a couple hours, you know, you got to think about, okay, when are the people who are setting this up going to eat? Right. Because if you don't eat um, bad things happen. And so, so you got to eat, but then, Let's think about um, let's think about the show itself, okay? Um, one of the things that I see a lot, which I think is just like one of those simple areas that people can improve on a lot, is just actually thinking through how the show's going to run and kind of identifying areas where you need something. You know, <laughs> I don't know any better way to put it um, than to say that there's times where you need to change people who are on stage or you need to start a show or go to an intermission or whatever. 
and it's kind of best not to just leave that open ended, but to actually plan something. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. Transitions are are uh, extremely important to coming off uh, with a polished and and um, professional looking event. Yeah, that's kind of the biggest thing that like. Like I definitely, when I talk to people in the church world, I, this is something I see a lot that I think is important to do just to think, just like think through when you're doing a show or a service or whatever, just think through all of the points where people need to physically get from one place to another, or if people need to get a microphone or if people need to be in the light and think about, okay, where are these people starting? Where do they need to go? How long is it going to take them to get there? And what in the world do we do in the mid, in the meantime? Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's something that people don't think through. And then you get this awkward, like, um, you know, deal where someone's just walking across the stage for 20 seconds. Um, if it's a big stage and there's literally nothing happening and it's just silence and, and you want to avoid that. Yeah. Yeah. The, the people pick up on, on dead air very quickly. And uh, I'm sure we've all been in audiences where, uh, you have that moment where everyone's just sitting there expecting something and it's not happening. And it feels really tense um, for, for the audience, for the crew, for the the talent on stage. Um, it, it's something that that atmosphere is contagious. Yeah, it is. Oh, actually. And what else is contagious? I, this is something I think about actually at my church every week um, when they do offering is, is don't rush, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're on stage or, you know, presenting or in a show or anything like that, uh, make sure the presenters don't, feel like they have to rush anything because when you rush it, it gets that same feeling of tenseness and it, it just kind of, you know, brings everything, brings the quality down, you know, you know, it's less, it's less enjoyable to be there. Yes. When you, yeah. when you think somebody's rushing. Yeah. The other thing I, I'd point out about transitions is sometimes it's easy to fall into the trap of, we found something that works and we're going to just keep repeating that. And you really want to make sure that you're, you're, you take advantage of those transitions and be intentional about how you structure them and, and where you place them. Uh, one of the things that a lot of churches that we work with um, will fall into is they'll have someone uh, pray to cover every transition, mm. which can be fine, but uh, it can also feel uh, a little weird every once in a while when you know, every time we change anything on, on stage, we're going to have someone pray to, to cover that. Yeah. You're like, sometimes that just didn't make sense there. We should send out the juggler instead. Right. Or a bumper video or there are all kinds of ways to do it, but yeah. So what are some of the ways to do it to kind of, to help make a transition? Like people need to get on and off stage or whatever. Something needs to happen and it's going to take 30 plus seconds. What do you do there? Uh, these days, the the bumper video probably is one of the more common ones, uh, especially in, in the corporate world that, that we're primarily working in. There's a lot of, well, dim the lighting down will distract uh, people's attention away from the, the stage area, uh, get the transition done and then, then bring them back on. Um, other really successful ones are uh, B stages or um, uh, an area uh, focused away from the main performance space um, where you may have a, a host moment uh, that takes place off of the main stage or down in front of the stage that again, it just, it pulls attention away from uh, the change that you're making. Um, I'm sure there are a whole bunch of other options you, you can do, but yeah, there are, but that gets people started just thinking about yeah. like, even if your band has a show and you need to switch between bands, like just, you can do more than just putting on some music and, you know, mm-hmm. and letting, letting people leave, um, you know, <laughs> oh man. Yes. And so yeah, transitions are a big deal. They really are. 
Um, so thinking about managing shows then, uh, what about after the show? That's a good point. Um, because there's definitely, I know I run into this a lot, that there's some people who don't even think about what's going to happen after the show. Right. Yeah. We got to tear yeah, down yeah. the stuff. We got to get, get out of the place. And some people don't even think about it. Yep. Yeah. The the one thing that, that we find that's often a, a hiccup after the show is people, when they're planning, uh, often ha- you have a bunch of different vendors involved in this, right? You may have a, a catering, a caterer, you may have uh, furniture rentals, you may have all your audiovisual stuff, or you may have multiple companies uh, supplying audiovisual, depending on, on what the setup is. Um, you have all these different people uh, and it's really easy on the front end to stagger when those people are showing up and they don't bump into each other. But uh, a lot of times we'll run into situations where when it comes to, to strike and load out the show that you have all these vendors trying to move out at once. Um, it can be quite chaotic. Um, so yeah, the best, the best uh, production managers and, and event planners um, will really work to try to minimize that, that overlap or come up with a plan to deal with that. Um, chaos that that can occur yes chaos is the the best thing and the most important thing that people do of course in the hotel world where we've spent too much time is to make sure that you actually have the room for however long you would need um after the show that's really key because that that as well (laughs) or else the hotel will sell it and somebody else will be sitting up on top of you and that is the most no fun thing ever yeah no that truly is yeah, so what else should we talk about? I don't know. How do you manage a production? Beats me. <laughs> um, another thing that, that we should probably point out as you're designing these systems and, and planning on things, um, one of the things that uh, people tend to, to miss a lot is just having uh, spares on hand, especially for cabling uh, is the, the biggest thing. That cables go bad? Hit. Yeah, cable cables go bad, uh, especially when you're using cables that are outrunning you know, hundreds of shows every year, they, uh, they can have some issues. Um, in fact, it could be said occasionally a cable goes bad and someone just wraps it up and puts it back in, in the bin and doesn't label it. No. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then it gets used again and somebody else finds out that it's bad. It's like, it's like a, uh, little, it's a fun game. You win, but you don't win. That's actually a really good point. Exactly. So yeah, definitely plan for, for some spares. Um, and then uh, two caveats that I love to point out because I see people have issues with this all the time. Um, a lot of times in our world, we fly most of our stuff uh, or have uh, situations where cable runs just aren't much fun or they especially aren't much fun uh, once they've been done. So for uh, flown trusses uh, that are running through a bunch of cable picks and that sort of thing or long runs along the floor, um, we usually try to include a, a spare cable in with those runs um, because on the off chance that you need it, it's way easier to just uh, swap the connectors uh, at both ends rather than trying to fish a cable through a existing setup, whether it's production or furniture or whatever. Um, so that, that's a good tip that I, I would definitely encourage um, any of those big, crazy runs, make sure you, you include a spare. Uh, but also um, I would highly encourage you have, an additional spare that's tucked somewhere away from your cable runs. Um, I'll yes. never forget a, a show that I was working on uh, the uh, video company. Again, thankfully I was not on their crew for this one, but the video company decided they were just going to run a, uh, a TAC 12, uh, a fiber line that has 12 in individual um, fiber runs in it. Got uh, it. And they were only using four of them. So they figured, oh, we have eight spares in, in the thing. 
And uh, for whatever reason, they had they had made the run, but they didn't have all the cable ramp down that they're planning on putting down to protect the cable. And uh, <laughs> uh, crews started loading barricade onto the floor and ran over their fiber line with a bunch of forklifts. And uh, it didn't work. Wow, Afterwards. that sounds like an expensive mistake. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But more importantly, we were a couple of hours out from the show, and their their shop was four hours away. So they had to go rent a cable from big video company and <laughs> that happened to be close by and spend Vegan. a bunch of money to rent a last-minute cable and pay someone to drive it out to them and barely got it in a time for show. And if they just had another, even a cheaper TAC4 or something uh, sitting backstage in a trunk, they would have been in good shape. Yeah, and that actually brings up a, a couple good points, a couple things I want to hit. The first is that, um, you know, especially when you're looking at, you're thinking about cables, especially those longer runs, um, that's like just finding single points of failure in your systems. Like these are the things that keep me up at night, I know, on shows, is any single point of failure. Um, you know, any like, basically anytime you've got like one of a single, of a piece of gear, mm-hmm. like I hate that. You know, whether it's a DMX splitter or, you know, an audio DSP or anything. You know, if you've got 10 LED lights and one breaks, you can do the show with nine. Nobody's going to notice, probably. But when your DMX splitter that you needed or your console won't work, you you really can't do your show at all. Right. And so... um and so that's kind of, th- th- those are the things that keep me up at night. It's like, okay, make sure above all else that you don't have single points of failure or you've thought around them to think, okay, if this item fails, what do I do? And you have a plan because mm-hmm. sometimes there's a slightly less, um, you know, smooth way that you could do things <laughs> and, and still be able to run your show. Yeah, absolutely. And, and people will notice when, when you're prepared and always have, have things squared away. Um, that it really does make a, a big difference. Um, and you come off as, as really looking like the hero at the end of the day. Yeah. But this actually brings up another good point of, um, production management and just, you know, I talk to a lot of people on this show, a lot of different types of lighting, whether it be band, church, theater, DJ lighting, I um, mean, all sorts of venues and things. But if there is something about a particular venue that like exists there that could make your life easier, whether that's power coming from a certain location, whether that's they have some lights you can use um, or something else that they let you use, some cables that are built into the walls that that are in good shape um, or whatever. Um, Take advantage of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm all about like, if I'm doing a show that's that's a one-off show that's in this venue, you know, looking first at that venue and thinking, oh, what would be really easy to what would be really easy to do here? What would be super easy to to roll out that I could make use of the strengths of this building um, in order to make my show happen? Yep, yeah, completely, yeah. completely agree. And so, yeah, so that guys, you know, that's that's a big deal for me as well. It's like you don't need necessarily like I understand, you know, if you have moving lights or a bunch of LEDs or something. Okay, maybe you don't bring a spare of those, but then you understand, okay, if one of those goes out, then I can just I can just cut one out of the show and it'll it'll be okay. Nobody will sleep, you know. But if X, you know, single point of failure, hazers, that's another one. Hazers make me lose sleep at night. Um <laughs> because they're expensive enough that sometimes people don't want to bring a spare. 
mm-hmm. you know. But if you're in some location that's not where you came from, you know, is hours away, then you yep. might want to bring a second one. Um, or just understand that it's not if it's not gonna work, then it won't it won't work. Um, because these things can happen, right? You know, the fuse blows and you can't find a fuse. The Because nowadays, you know, I mean, there used to be like Radio Shack back in the day. But now it's like, well, if you're in a non-major metropolitan area, you can't just find this stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and on the spares front, uh, that that is not a decision that, that you make. If you're close enough to your shop or you're close enough where you know you may have another uh, partner vendor you can rely on to to back you up. Um, you may not worry about bringing quite so much equipment on the show, but uh, like you said, if you're hours away from your shop or you, <laughs> uh, you're going to be the the one you have to rely on, um, then you may want to uh, bulk up a little more on on your spares thing. Um, and that's something uh, as you're you're working with you know partner vendors, if you're subrunning things or or whatever, um, you may want to have that conversation with your your contact there because a lot of times. Uh, there are some companies that will will either throw in a certain percentage of, of your show as spares uh, for next to nothing if you ask for it, mm-hmm. um, or even uh, even if they don't usually have a regular practice of that, a lot of times they'll discount um, spare equipment for you. Oh, totally. I mean, it depends on the size of the order, depends on your relationship, but mm-hmm. but over time, yeah, that's totally yeah, going to yeah. happen. Yeah, and definitely worth asking at least. Yeah, at least they can give it to you for a reduced cost. You know, in some companies, I mean, depending on what it is, if it's like a light or a laser, they can look at the hours on it and if it's been used or not, et cetera, um, mm-hmm. and charge you accordingly. <laughs> you know, but it's 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 the fair way to do it. You know, you can say, well, I'm not going to use this unless I need to. And then if you don't send the other one back broken, the, the assumption is that you didn't need the spare. Yep. Awesome. Well, I feel like we talked about setting up the show. We talked about having a show. We talked about tearing down a show. That's a good show. Yeah. Cool. So we'll wrap it there. Um, oh, what was I thinking of? So yeah, we've been building a sound booth at church. It's been fun. Sounds like it. How do I stop this thing? I I hit record. <laughs> oh no, I just made a... <laughs>